listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Michael speaks on having selective hearing. Welcome back. Where'd y'all go? I missed you. Uh, good morning. Good morning. 9 a.m. Good morning. 9 a.m. Good to see you. I, uh, I want to take just a minute. Thank you for sending me to Argentina. We had an amazing time in Argentina. Thousands of people were ministered to. Hundreds of people were saved. Hundreds of people received miracles, healings, deliverance. Crazy, awesome, powerful time. I want to just share a little bit of it with you. If I can, wait, before we do that, well, that's fine. So this is the, uh, go ahead, that's fine. This is the uh, little jet that we had to rent, lease, because our commercial plane that goes across Argentina, all the planes were grounded, and so we decided to fly anyways, I don't know why, in a jet. So we leased a little jet and took off. Doesn't Steve look excited in that picture? And uh, I want to play the video. So we get there three hours late. Can y'all click the little video? Make sure we got sound. Just a short clip. Okay, it's just looping. (laughs) That is three hours late. Three hours after they got started. Uh, We kept checking in. Do we even try to make it? Uh, What we didn't know when we were deciding to pay $6,000 for the jet, we had no idea. We thought we would get there two hours late because we were going to be flying in to the town. And somehow there was a miscue. And it was an hour drive after we landed. And I really think the Lord just didn't let us know because if we had known, there's no way we would have got the jet because we would have said, that's three hours late. So we went thinking it's going to be two hours late, ends up being three hours late, and we walk into this. And um, you can just, as you go through them, I'll try to tell what they are real quick. So this is the... um, just kind of the setup. I don't remember exactly what it was called. Invasion uh, of love, days of love, invasion of God's love, I think. Um, So that's kind of the setup they have. It's amazing, just outdoor. Um, I had no idea what to expect, but what happens is um, they have, Pastor Steve 
Fado has people on the ground or actually a person who does the work of multiple people. And he prepares these places before we go. That's what he does all the time. Javier, he pastors a church and then he does all this on the side, prepares these. So like 10 churches came together and put this on. And they had gone into the community and a majority of these people are unsaved people, thousands of people that they've gone into the community and brought to these events, these outdoor um, gatherings. Okay, so you could go on. So I mean, just nice. Just want to show this Sunday morning, I preached to the church. You got to trust God, right? So all of the good interpreters were going to this big gathering Sunday morning. And they asked me, would you rather go with us to the big gathering or preach in a local church? And I was like, I would rather preach in a local church than watch you guys do a big gathering. <laughs> so I went to a local church. Well, all the interpreters left and they said, um, you've got this, we've got this one lady who interpreted for you the other day and she didn't do a great job necessarily, but she did a good job. And um, so I was nervous about going in. And so be careful what you ask the Lord for. So I go in and it's not the person I thought it was going to be. It's Sergio. And he's less experienced. <laughs> he had never interpreted. Ever. <laughs> One time. Ever. And... Uh, and just ended up being one of my favorite connections on the whole trip. I think God unlocked something in him too. So we got to be a part of him interpreting for the very first time. Come on. With love and patience, who he would not get from everyone. When he had a hard time communicating what I was saying, I just put my hand on his shoulder. We'd both smile, laugh, and I'd just say it again. And he'd say it again. The young lady who was going to be my interpreter was on the front row. And she helped him a lot. So she was pretty good interpreter. She'd tell him. But we just worked through it. I think he got an amazing taste of that and the spirit of that. So that's Sergio. And, and so this is at the pastor's um, conference. Probably 150 pastors and leaders on Saturday. When we finished speaking here, we prayed for probably an hour and a half, two hours for pastors and leaders. Just a powerful, powerful time. What's next? Look at this, this is from the back. They just get these open air places and take off. Thank goodness this one was covered. We had some rain, go again. It's another shot of it. And uh, you keep going. This is a call for salvation. And we had three of these nights and just hundreds of people come up. We had to move the chairs every night of the first few rows to get all the people up there. We already had tons of room uh, up there and we didn't even have enough. So this was uh, just a call for salvation. We keep going. I don't know if we do we have any more. This is uh, at, the, at the same place, just kind of a dark photo. The guy that was up there with me snapped one like this. I don't know. Go ahead. 
Is that it? Awesome. So that's Argentina. The Lord showed us incredible favor um, with the projected funds that we raised. I did not spend 10% of that. We were blessed with meals. We were blessed with our hotel. We were blessed with so many things. And um, so I'm going to go to Columbia in June. All right? So... Um, for about three years, I've told, I've communicated this to the elders, I've communicated this to the staff, and I've communicated this to this body that I feel I need to be obedient. But for about three years, I felt like the Lord's told me that I'll be gone one Sunday a month and to prepare the leadership and to prepare the church to be able to maintain to be gone one Sunday a month. So I don't know what the Lord's doing, but there's an open door um, for us, you know, we always say that we're here for our community, for our city, for the nation, and the nations of the world. And so I think this may be our door to the nations of the world for us to go out and reach them. And so I, I don't know what all the Lord's going to do with that, but I want to be faithful to walk through it. So it was a very powerful time. I think it will bring increase. It's not a, a sacrifice. This is not us um, diminishing for others across the world. Uh, this will bring increase to our body. This will bring increase to me as a leader. This will bring increase in the spirit, and it will bring increase in the kingdom. And so it will bring forth much fruit. So thank you, thank you. Many of you asked me after uh, last su Sunday before, um, when I made a final appeal, we needed a little bit of money, and then it came in, and some of you asked me throughout the week, did you get your money? Um, we did get the money, but we're going to Columbia. All right? And um, the gentleman who sets up the trips has asked me to go to Guatemala and help set up the one for Guatemala, spend some time with the pastors there and connect those. Um, he has a real gathering gift, and I believe that we share in that and just want to um, gather pastors together. Really great on the way to the airport. On the last day, we stopped in another city and met with 10 pastors from another city and just shared the vision for their city. And so they're going to come together and do a crusade in their city. And so just a, an amazing, amazing time and we uh, got to be a part of that. You got to be a part of that. And only heaven knows. There's so much hunger. They literally had to come and drag me out of the crusades. I'd be surrounded with people wanting prayer. And just, I mean, I thought my clothes were going to get ripped. I mean, it was just, just grabbing. And I didn't understand the language. And I didn't even know what to do. We just started praying for everything. People would bring their phones up with pictures of babies in the hospital, of fathers in the hospital, photo frames of people to pray for, cloths of people. To, I mean, it's like biblical times, and they're hungry. And it's amazing. Do you know that your hunger and your honor for the things of God 
can make someone who doesn't have something you need have something you need? Do you know that your faith can deposit a gift in the person praying for you that they didn't have before your faith put it there? Do you know that? It's really powerful. So it's exciting to go somewhere with such hunger that brings increase to you because you become what you weren't before hungry people made demands on you that other people don't make because Revelation says you are rich and have need of nothing, and that's what a lot of churches are, right? So we're so thankful that people make those demands, and it was a great, great, great time. All right, let me tell you a joke real quick. You ready? George... What a great joke name. George, age 92, and Edith, age 89, are all excited about their decision to get married. They go for a stroll to discuss the wedding, and on the way, they pass a drugstore. George suggests they go in, and he addresses the man behind the counter. Are you the owner? The pharmacist answers yes. We're about to get married. Do you sell heart medication? Of course we do. How about support holes for circulation? Definitely. What about medicine for rheumatism, osteoporosis, and arthritis? The guy says, all kinds. How about waterproof furniture pads and depends? Yes, sir. Hearing aid, denture supplies, sleeping pills, Geritol, and Insure? Absolutely. You sell wheelchairs, walkers, and canes? All kinds and sizes. Pharmacist finally says, why all the questions? George smiles and replies to the pharmacist, we'd like to use your store for our bridal registry. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to use your store for our bridal registry. All right. So amazing uh, what Jahan shared with you just now at the end of worship. Such a confirmation to me last night as I was, uh, we were separate and I was preparing and just going over what was in my spirit all week this week and what I was going to share today. And uh, she sends me this thing, this verse, and he's like, Jesus told them exactly what he was going to do, yet they did not hear him, right? And it's because they just weren't listening. They, they thought they knew you ever think you know what somebody's going to say, so you make up what you think they're saying when they're saying something different? So you, you think that you know. My favorite is when people aren't listening and they're distracted, and every now and then they just say, uh-huh. And sometimes I'll say something absolutely absurd to see if they'll say, uh-huh. And they do, and then we get a good laugh but they don't know they did. I have to stop and say, do you realize I just... So Acts chapter nine. As I was um, thinking, of, uh, thinking about this, it, it seems like, Padre, every time the Lord's dealing with me with a subject at this point in my life and ministry, I say, I've already preached that. I preached my first sermon when I was 15 I'm 46, 
So that's 31 years. Been in full-time ministry, I don't know how long. 20, 21 years, something like that. And uh, 21, oh, since I was 21, that's 30, that's 25 years. 25 years. Anyways, where I've spoke at least once a week, 25 years, I don't know, you can do the math on that. So as I was processing through this week, I thought, okay, I think I've preached like five sermons on this sermon. Uh, I preached a sermon one time called Spiritual Lasix. Do you have spiritual Lasix? Preached a sermon one time, Go Blind for Jesus. Uh, one time, What Are You Looking At? And another time, Selective Hearing. Selective hearing is a lot of fun because we can meddle into relationships. Oh, hello. Good morning, my wife. That's the pastor's wife over here. Uh, silence your phones, please. Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. Now, Saul, I'll start in verse 1. I'm going to read from New American Standard Bible. Now, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he was traveling, it happened that he was approaching Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city and it will be told you what you must do. The men who traveled with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. And leading him by the hand, they brought him to Damascus. And he was there, he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, it's a good way to start, Lord. Say his name, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, get up and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he did to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. Isn't that powerful? For I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and after laying his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, 
the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales and he regained his sight and he got up and was baptized and he took food and was strengthened. Now for several days he was with the disciples who were at Damascus and immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue saying he is the son of God. All those hearing him continued to be amazed and were saying, is this not he who in Jerusalem destroyed those who called on this name and who had come here for the purpose of bringing them bound before the chief priests? But Saul kept increasing in strength and confounding the Jews who lived at Damascus by proving that this Jesus is the Christ. Saul is persecuting Christians. When they stoned Stephen, there's a reference that they laid their coats at a man named Saul's feet. Saul was like the coat holder while they stoned Stephen. Saul was a bad dude, messed up dude, absolute hated Christian, a Pharisee to the hilt, and he has a confrontation with Jesus. And he leaves that confrontation blind. He leaves the confrontation with Jesus blind. And I think we should leave our confrontations with Jesus blind. I'm just processing um, over the last week, maybe week and a half, two weeks, just many circumstances, many situations, many areas, myself and people that I'm talking with where we are absolutely uh, overwhelmed with visions and noises. And it's hard to see what we need to see unless we're blind to what we need to be blind to. I mean, Saul never has his eyes opened and preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ and filled with the Holy Spirit until he went blind. There's something that happens There's a process that happens. Something has to die before something can live. Wrong vision has to die before proper vision can come alive. And when we are not single in our vision, we are tormented all the time. We're trying to see it both ways. You ever try to see it both ways? Ever try to see it both ways in your marriage? I know we love each other, but sometimes one of you is just right and the other's just wrong. And you don't have to put it that bluntly, but it's hard to just go to two restaurants at the same time. You know what I mean? 
it's, it's pretty hard to discipline your child two different ways at the same time. Exactly. It's hard. You know, it's hard to do two different things. It's hard to be persuaded by your flesh and your spirit at the same time. It's hard to evaluate life and circumstances and situations through the gospel according to the gospel and the gospel according to Facebook. They're, 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 they're vastly different. One is at enmity with God. One is the flesh. One appeases the flesh. One always says exactly what you want to hear. And one normally says what you don't want to hear. But it brings life to you. But our vision has to go. Thus I preach one time, we need to go blind for Jesus. Matthew 13, verse 12. I'll read this from the Passion. We'll go through 17. For everyone who listens with an open heart will receive progressively more revelation until he has more than enough. But those who don't listen with an open, teachable heart, even the understanding that they think they have will be taken from them. That's why I teach the people using parables because they think they're looking for truth, yet because their hearts are unteachable, they never discover it. Although they will listen to me, they never fully perceive the message that I speak. The prophecy of Isaiah describes them perfectly. Although they listen carefully to everything I speak, they don't understand a thing I say. They look and pretend to see, but the eyes of their hearts are closed. Their minds are dull and slow to perceive. Their ears are plugged and are hard of hearing. And they have deliberately shut their eyes to the truth. So I would go so far to say you're blind to something. You're blind to something. You just have to choose what you're going to be blind to. Where was I? They've deliberately shut their, otherwise they would open their eyes to see and open their ears to hear and open their minds to understand. Then they would turn to me and I would instantly heal them. But blissful are your eyes for they see. Delighted are your ears for they are open to hear all the things. Many prophets and godly people yearn to see the days of miracles that you've been favored to see. They would have given everything to hear the revelation you've been favored to hear. I think it's amazing how much, even in this passage, what you see and what you hear, you see how it's always together? It's always, you know, always seeing but never perceiving, listening but not hearing. Those always go together. I mean, they're different senses, right? But they seem to always go together. 
And so today, if I had a title, I would call this selective hearing. But we started with a story about a man who lost his vision. Matthew 6, 16, uh, 22 says, the eye is the lamp of the body so that if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So it, we're talking about eyes, we're talking about vision, and we're talking about hearing together. And here's, here's why I think they go together. John chapter one Verse one, in the beginning was the word. How do you receive the word? Hearing, you receive the word by hearing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So you receive the word by hearing. And the word was with God and the word was God and he was at the beginning with God. All things came into being through him and apart from him, nothing came into being that's come into being. That is one of my favorite passages in all the scripture. In him was life and the life that was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. And I love that in verse 14, and the word became flesh. So the word that you hear became something that you can see. So the word became flesh. So now we don't just hear the word, we see the word. Jesus was a word that you don't just have to hear, but you can see. And the word that we read to hear causes us to see the word that we need to see. Are y'all following with me? Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. So this seeing and this hearing comes together in Jesus. So I want to see and hear correctly, selectively. I love this. Selective auditory attention. Just raise your hand right now. I just want to make this a pleasant day. Raise your hand if your spouse has selective auditory attention. <laughs> if your spouse has selective auditory attention, you raise that for me, baby. I was going to raise mine for you. Look at everybody like, you, what? Selective auditory attention or selective hearing is a type of selective attention, selective attention. It's not just an ear problem. It's an attention problem. And it involves the audio. Can I just take a pause for a minute? My kids got a, what's that thing, a switch? Only switch I got when I was a kid was not something I wanted. <laughs> My kids been saving up, I mean saving every dollar. Man, if you hand my kids money on Sundays, they bring it right to me and say, Dad, put it in your phone. I mean, I've been adding it up. And you know, I forget about that till they, I notice that I've got to go get that now. I've already spent that. So this week we noticed we had to go get that. Switch money that they've been saving up for. And they got it. I can't take long on this. We don't have much time. But speaking of attention, I mean, anybody 30 and over 
probably not even that far long ago, play a racing game when you were a kid? I mean, what is a racing game? It's a car on a road with other cars. And the objective is to go faster than them and pass them. They got this game Mario Kart. About gave me a seizure just watching the game. I'm like, there's no way in the world they have any idea what is happening right now. What is the objective? There's no road. They're driving everywhere. Somebody drives over here in the sky and in their first place. Somebody drives, I mean, it's like, what is happening? What's all the stuff flying at you and all the things? And then we wonder why when a kid's sitting in a room without a thousand things going on, they're shaking and twitching. <laughs> Dear God, they're overstimulated. <laughs> That's why when a box, the cardboard boxes don't work anymore. Like, what's this thing do? It, oh, this doesn't do 57,000 things a second. Sheesh. So that's what we're dealing with, selective attention. And then we're gonna to try to get them, okay, sit down, be still, wait on the Lord. <laughs> he better not be a still small voice to this generation. He better be a Wah! If he's a still small voice, they're like, see ya. It involves the auditory system of the nervous system. Selective hearing is characterized as the action in which people focus their attention on a specific source of a sound or spoken words. Focus their attention on a specific source of sound or spoken words. 2 Timothy 4.3 says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine." But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. Second Timothy 4, 3. One of the, this is one of the, another one of those verses that I think is um, completely twisted sometimes. Maybe not twisted, but you know, the, the table's being flipped. We use those and, and actually use the, use the verse about tables being flipped to set up tables outside the temple. We do that. Like we, we twist it and say, make it exclusive, and Jesus was flipping them to make it inclusive. And sometimes we take this, uh, they're gonna have... Uh, don't endure sound doctrine, but they want their ears tickled. I love this because predominantly the people who use this passage are people who want to bash on any type of, well, I don't want to say it like that, but usually it bashes a lot of the grace message. Usually it bashes, bashes a lot of the word of faith message. Even a Pentecostal message. Kind of any message other than we love God, it's miserable, 
And anybody who tells you it's anything other than miserable is probably a false teacher. And you just like them because you have itching ears. And you're just looking for people to tell you something to make you feel good. Listen, it hurts so good, but the gospel still feels good. It still feels good. But I, I've said this before and I'll say it again. I would venture to say that there's more people, more people in the church world that would embody this passage because they've assimilated to themselves legalistic, prideful teachers so that they can feel comfortable about their self-righteousness and their pride and their elitist mindset. Far more than people who are trying to say, man, I just want to tell the world that God loves them and he'll accept them just the way that they are and I can trust the Holy Spirit with them. So I just love to hear somebody get up and just, you got itching ears. And I'm like, dude, the only people that are standing up in eruption right now all have itching ears because they just wanted somebody to license them to be as mean and hateful as you are. That's my two cents. But the point is, no matter where you are, we do gravitate towards people that we want to hear. We might just trash can the notes right here. I feel like we're going to sit right here for a minute. <clears throat> there are people who I love, honor, and respect and believe they're men and women of God. And God loves them and they're powerful and they are holy and righteous And their convictions are not my convictions. So if I look for people that are spiritual leaders and they do things that I want to do outside of my convictions, and I adapt to doing what they do because they do it, so that means it's okay. So I can do it because they do it. And I live outside of my convictions doing what is okay for someone else but not okay for me. That's itching ears, accumulating to yourself some teachers that will justify the behavior that you wanted to do. You know, everybody's convictions aren't gonna be the same. There's things that you can do and it'll be amazing. And if I do it, it's a sin. Because God loves me, he knows my propensity and he's steering me away from things that want to kill me and destroy me. But for you, it won't have that effect because you're completely different than me. There are things that I've discovered that are acceptable but they're not beneficial. And this very fact that you would try to find leaders that justify behavior that you want to do and then broadcast it that you can do it proves to me that you shouldn't be doing it. 
Because if you're really free from something, you don't need to broadcast that you can do it because it's not something that you need have a chip on your shoulder about that you want to make sure everybody knows. It's just no big deal to you. But the fact that you want to make sure everybody knows it's okay means you're still convicted about it, but you're trying to change the culture and the spirit and it's never going to work. You can get everybody in your sphere to agree with you that it's fine and it's still not going to make it fine for you. And if it's fine for you, everybody in your sphere can try to condemn you, but you'll know it's fine for me. And you won't be worried about what everybody else thinks and you won't be having, trying to have everybody fill your ears with it's okay. So I've discovered I'm free to do a lot of things. And I've discovered a lot of those things just aren't for me. I've found them to be not beneficial. I've found them to be of no value or use for me that bring increase or edification to my family or my home. I think that's itching years wanting to be tickled. We want all of the information we want that we're hearing to validate the decisions that we are making. And it doesn't work like that. If everything you're hearing validates who you are, not who you are, who you are is perfect. He made you perfect. But if it validates every evil intention that Satan has brought to try to distract you and delay you, and he's calling evil good, and if everything you hear is doing that, you might be blind and deaf to the wrong voice. And you might have trained your selective attention to predominantly hear the wrong things. Because I'm gonna tell you, when you're hearing the right things, it hurts so good, but it's amazing. And it's, it comes with such love, it comes with such grace, it comes with such power that you genuinely want to run at that giant grab that rock and say, today I'm going to slay you because you will not torment me and taunt me anymore. It will empower you and equip you and excite you and motivate you. And if we're not getting that, we find ourselves, come on, I'm not preaching a hard thing against you today. I'm preaching a merciful merciful thing to you. David wasn't anywhere in my thoughts, but now I am because instead of running towards things, we're sitting back, shrinking back. And the talk in the room is, it's okay. Like somehow all of Israel had just decided this thing's okay. And everybody wanted to hear, you're not a coward because you're not the one fighting. Come on, let's all tell each other we're not the coward because we're not the one fighting. It's okay.
there's this mindset these days. If you try to bring encouragement to somebody and say they can make it, well, somehow, instead of just outside of just a miraculous thing, outside of anything that they do, if I say you can make it, I also have to give you some encouraging words of how you can make it or some things that you can do to maybe not be so anxious or not be so depressed or not be so... And if you try to tell someone, you know, then it's like, you can't just tell people to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. You don't understand these problems that people have. I'm so sorry. You're horrible, awful, you're going to die, and I'm going to watch you. Now, I'm just saying, what, do, what words do we want? Do we want everyone to agree with what we're hearing? Do we want everyone to agree with that? Thank God. I'm so thankful that people in my life have not agreed with what I heard. Because I'd be already buried. I'd have buried myself. If somebody didn't hear something different than what I was hearing and somehow they said it loud enough and the Holy Spirit empowered them enough that it broke through all the other noise and it gave me something to grab a hold of and put my faith in and believe in and it brought me out of a place. But every one of those voices I could have said, you don't understand. You don't know what happened to me. You don't know when I was a kid. You don't know that I was molested. You don't know all this stuff. I'm insulted that you would look at me and tell me I could just do something and get over it. I mean, preachers of the gospel walk around in handcuffs in a woke culture and rubber rooms where we can't ever say the truth. That's itching ears. Itching ears want to hear that I cannot come out of this. That's what we want to hear. Because it justifies us to just stay where we are. And I'm hateful if I tell you you can be free. But I'm loving if I just sympathize with you and watch you die. Come on. One time, I'll just tell you my story. One time I'd been in bed. Remember when I had that vision? Had the flu, but I'd been in bed for I don't know how long. A couple of weeks. Flu was gone. It was just oppression at this point. Flu might have been a door, but man, I, I actually the flu wasn't a door. <laughs> The flu came in with the other stuff that I brought in. <laughs> flu was at the door and I was sick, so I was weak and vulnerable. No, I, I, I was oppressed and I was listening and I had bought, and flu was just one of the side effects of this position of my spirit. And the flu there or not, I was in the same position, see? Some of us get so excited if we get the flu because then it justifies the position we're already in. Now I got a reason to lay here depressed. I'm sick. Some people wonder why they're sick so often. A lot of times that's the reason. You'd love to be sick. 
I didn't want to do anything anyways. Thank you, Lord. I'm sick. So true. <laughs> I've been in bed for two weeks, probably. Do you remember what I'm talking about? When I start telling it, hopefully you'll remember. My wife trying to tell me different stuff. She's always tried to tell me different stuff than I'm hearing. Come on, you need a wife that'll tell you different stuff than you're hearing. Spouses, if all you do is echo what the enemy's telling your spouse and wonder why they never change, you need to change what you're saying. You need to say what God says. You need to say what the Holy Spirit says about them. Don't be Captain Obvious. (laughs) You're pitiful. I know I'm pitiful. That's what I was saying. I was just thinking that. (laughs) Some of those times I'm thinking I'm the most pitiful. Johanna put like a two-paragraph post on Facebook, like I'm the archangel angel Michael. And I'm like, wait a minute. Come on now. Who am I? Who am I? That's who my wife says I am. I can't be what I'm hearing in my head. She knows. She lives with me. Come on. Oh, I got to hurry. I'm laying in bed. This is a tough one for me. Been there a couple weeks. I'm so oppressed. I'm so believing every lie. I'm so believing how jacked up, how unqualified, how everything. I just didn't matter. Complete apathy. I don't remember what was going on in my life. Probably points of failure. I'm laying there. I've been there for two weeks. I don't know. I'm just throwing out two weeks. I've been there a long time. And I had this vision. Or dream. I don't remember if I was asleep. I don't know if it was a vision or dream, but I was in this like storefront with the roll-up doors. You know what I'm saying? Like the graded doors. And there was merchandise, and my family was in the back. There's a register, and then there's a door that goes in the back, and my family was in the back, and I was there was a couch right there, and I was on the couch. And these masked men come in and they cut the lock on the gate, and they raised the gate. And like Samson, you know, I'm just sick right now. But like, don't mess with my family, right? So like Samson, I'm like, oh, heck no, these guys ain't coming in here. And I couldn't move. I tried to get up. I got like one arm up, you know. Get up, got on my knees. I'm trying to get up. Them guys just came over, beat on me. I'm just pummeled in the floor. And I see them go back in the hall for my family. And the Lord said, You better get off the couch. You better quit laying here. This ain't just about you. This is about your family, and this is in a spiritual assignment 
to destroy you. Not only to destroy you, but to destroy your family. And I know it ain't pull yourself up but your bootstraps, but I had a, I had a decision to make with the word of the Lord. I didn't feel like getting up, and I didn't feel any more motivated, but I sure didn't want to do that, and I had a decision to make. Man, we're just, we got a culture that doesn't even think you ever have to make a decision and ever have to do anything hard. So I'm just saying today, I believe some of us are just sitting around listening and entertaining the wrong voices, like so much of the time. And we need to go blind. We need to go deaf. We need to have selective auditory attention and tune it out. Adjust your spiritual hearing aid to the frequency of heaven Love the song Jahan sings, my confession. Every word contrary to your word falls to the ground without a sound. I won't listen. Come on, we can't sit around and meditate. I mean, I had tons of notes. Whatsoever things pure. Holy, you've heard that. Me say that a hundred times. But we got to choose. My dad used to say it real simple. It's a good dog and a bad dog. Whichever one you feed the most is going to live. <laughs> There's good things to listen to and bad things to listen to. Whichever one you listen to the most is the one that's going to take over your life. So I don't know how else to say it. How much more sensitive to make it. But you got to change what you're listening to. And it may not be you can't get up and go to church that moment or you can't do this or do that. I don't know, I'm just seeing like a wrestler, you know, the wrestlers be down on the mat and all of a sudden they start getting a hand up. (laughs) And they get it up a little higher and then they're like, and then all of a sudden they come up. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And maybe you don't have some great preacher around you all the time. Maybe you don't have a spouse that can, you can hear the word of God from. Maybe you don't even have access in a moment. But I see this, just like that little wrestler, you can be down there all by yourself. And one thing you can do to get your hand up is say the word of God. Everybody say, Jesus loved me. Jesus loves me, Sorry. Not the Ebonics way. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Say it one more time. Did you hear it or did you say it? Did you hear it or did you say it? Both. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you ain't got nobody else, then you just give yourself the word. And you hear it, say it, say it out loud. Don't just think about it. Don't just meditate. Just say it out loud till you hear it out loud and it'll faith will come by that and that might get your hand up enough where you can get around somebody else who can edify and agree with what you're saying yourself. Everybody stand up with me, we got to go.
hey, tonight, real quick, what time? Six o'clock tonight. This is my heartfelt appeal as much as I can make it. If I had known about it sooner, I would have made sure we had graphics and everything to make sure you know, because I'm all about this. Trinity Community Church, right off of Callahan, brothers and sisters, right? We can't just say we want to have an encounter with other churches if they come to our building on our night and then we'll have an encounter together. But they're having, an, they're having a worship night tonight. Uh, Paul and Chloe are involved with that. I don't know if anybody else is leading worship tonight. I'm so excited to go and say we're not just about our building and our time, but if you're worshiping, we want to worship with you. And I'm so thankful for the opportunity. So 6 o'clock tonight, Trinity Community Church Pastor Tyler, who was here on our last encounter night. You guys remember that? And so it's going to be great. We're going to be able to go there tonight and worship with them. Prayer team, if you would come as we dismiss you today. If you want prayer today, if you're like, man, I need to, I need to get me some selective hearing. Maybe you just want somebody to just speak the word. Come up here and tell us a lie that you've been hearing and let us declare the word over you so you can hear the word of God in agreement. So prayer team's up here. I think they're coming, some of them. And uh, come on up and receive prayer. If not, we love you so much. We'll see you tonight if you can make it, Trinity Community Church. If not, we'll see you next Sunday. Don't forget, we're going to the nations of the world. If you want to contribute, just give missions at the end of it. Love you so much. See ya. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Redemption Life Church.